Support for WERU comes from Inner Tapestry, a holistic journal celebrating and supporting life, featuring alternative health and natural living articles, calendar listings, and a directory of resources. Available at health food stores and alternative health centers, 799-7995 or innertapestry.org. It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Healthy Options with host Andre Bella is up next. Good morning. My name is Andre Bella, and I'll be your host this morning for Healthy Options, a program about integrative therapies that we hope will be helpful to you. Um, a couple of years ago, we did a show on autism, and we interviewed David Kirby, who wrote the book Evidence of Harm about autism. And today, we are bringing up this very important subject again. Today, we'll be speaking with Dr. Jane Robertson about autism. Um, she is a chiropractor in Belfast, and um, Dr. Jane has been practicing for 13 years as a chiropractor in Belfast. Dr. Jane, as she's known by her patients, was asked to join a local support group because of her stance on vaccinations and has proceeded from there to become a Defeat Autism Now practitioner. A Defeat Autism Now is a national organization um, also known as DAN, D-A-N, which you can also find online anytime, lots of information there. Um, Dr. Jane uh, started treating children on the autism spectrum last spring after attending her first Defeat Autism Now conference. She's just returned from her second conference and is continuing to educate herself in order to help recover children on the spectrum. Dr. Jane is passionate about her work as a chiropractor, educating people about vaccinations and helping autistic children and their families. Welcome, Dr. Jane. Thank you. Nice to have you here today. Thank you. It's nice uh, to be here. Let's start out with uh, what exactly what is autism? Well, the, the, the uh, definition of autism is it's a developmental disability that typically involves delays and impairments in social skills, language, and behavior. Um, like you said, it's a spectrum. Uh, that means it affects ch- uh, different children in different ways. Some children may... Um, have speech, whereas other children don't have speech. Um, it's just every child is different. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about that autism spectrum, um, what types of uh, diagnosis would be along that spectrum of autism? Mm-hmm. So, just so we kind of understand. Sure, it's called um, it's called the ASD, which is the Autism Spectrum Disorders, and uh, diagnosis um, in that spectrum could be. Um, ranging from less severe to more severe, and then the most severe would be autism. Less severe goes from ADD, um, ADHD, dyslexia, Asperger's syndrome, and then PDD. ADD is attention deficit disorder. ADHD is attention deficit uh, hyperactivity disorder. So this kind of groups all of those particular things together. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when a child is diagnosed as being on the spectrum, um, they don't necessarily have like the most severe um, diagnosis would be autism. They could have like less severe autism, which would be Asperger's or ADHD or or, or some sort of diagnosis like that. They all have Mm -hmm. similar behaviors and characteristics. Okay. Um, 
I think what we maybe would like to talk about this morning is that if a parent has a child that's exhibiting some of these behaviors, some maybe red flag behaviors, um, what should they do in order to check that out to find out if that's normal? Okay. Um, some, of, some of the red flag behaviors, like you said, would definitely be um, social deficits, communication issues, bizarre repetitive behaviors, like most parents say that their children will, you know, sit in their living room and line up their toys. You know, if they're, they're fixated on a certain toy, trains or whatever, they would sit there mm-hmm. and line them up. Mm-hmm. Other characteristics would be um, no, no smiling, no joyful expression, um, no babbling at 12 months, which normal kids do, infants do. Um, no back and forth gestures such as pointing or sharing or reaching or things like that. No words by 16 months is usually a big red flag. So those are some good benchmarks yes. for parents. Yeah, and then what mm-hmm. they would do is they would most likely, um, what I would recommend is that they would find a developmental pediatrician that has some experience with autism and or a psychiatrist where they would get a, you know, a diagnosis on, of this so spectrum. I think what most parents probably would do is if they saw one of these behaviors and it raised a red flag, they might tend to say, well, I'm going to go to my pediatrician and ask my pediatrician. But I think what I'm hearing you say is they really need to do more than that and go to this developmental pediatrician for a diagnosis or a, or a psychiatrist? Yes, the, um, the good news with that is the American Academy of Pediatrics is now just joining with Defeat Autism Now, and there's a toolkit available for pediatricians. Um, let me just... So that's available to all pediatricians at this point? Yes. But do most pediatricians have have this toolkit or do they or do you have to kind of find a pediatrician who's got this information it just became available in uh, November of 2007 I think it was um, the name of the toolkit for pediatricians is called the management of children with autism spectrum disorders so what they're doing is that they've actually um, at the last conference they talked about the collaboration of Dan and the AAP so it's it's wonderful that these pediatricians that did not have enough education about autism that don't know enough about autism now have this toolkit. It's a book that they can purchase from aap.org or I don't, maybe if they go to a conference somewhere or you know a, a pediatrician education. So it sounds like this is a, a very good collaboration it's between a, the American Academy of Pediatrics and Defeat Autism Now. It's an amazing collaboration because um, that's kind of the purpose of us here today. We, we definitely need to get more education out there and it starts with you know, with with the doctors, you know, all the doctors on the Defeat Autism Now or the doctors that started Defeat Autism Now have ch- children that were affected or grandchildren that, you know, were I find affected. That, I find that really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I read that, some information, I was reading some things online, and uh, they were saying that at the DAN conference, um, most of the doctors that participate either have a child with autism or have a child with autism in their family, yes, in their immediate or extended family. Mm-hmm. And so there are more and more doctors coming on board, um, mostly through their personal experiences. And now with the American Academy of Pediatrics coming in, it sounds like uh, Dan is also um, forming professional collaborations, yes. which are going to help parents. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go back to some of those symptoms and things that parents should look for, um, I, I read something interesting online, and they were talking about sometimes a, a child's language is affected by autism, and if a child is not 
talking by a certain age? What age did you say they should be talking by? Yeah, Definitely by, well, it, like, you know, your first words of your child is usually daddy by age, data by age 12 months. Some kids are mm. earlier than that. Some kids are later. But if there's absolutely no speech by 16 months, then that's a red flag. Yeah. 18 mm-hmm. months, you know, that's, that's a big red flag. And, of course, I mean, there's also, you'd want to have your child's hearing tested because mm-hmm. that also may be a possibility. But you certainly want to keep in mind that it could be something else. Well, and the other thing that happens with a lot of these kids on the spectrum is that um, because of the damage to their, to their intestines, they have chronic ear infections. So a lot of the kids are just diagnosed with chronic ear infections, and they can't hear mm-hmm. from that. So then they, then they go to speech, oh, yeah. speech developmental or speech pathologists, and they say that the ear infections are causing the no speech, whereas these kids really are on the autistic spectrum. Um, so then the ear infection is being treated, uh, and the other it, issue it, is not being treated at all. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's why some of these kids do kind of slip through the cracks with with that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the information that I've read, it seems as though early diagnosis is very important because when things are diagnosed early, um, they're much easier to treat. Much easier to treat. Um, I do have um, some patients that are in their teens, and there's. I just read um, last week on the website. autism.com website that there was just a new um, case study done with you know teenagers and even though there's they um, they call a time frame the window you know like before age five there's a there's a you know a developmental window they want you to because of the brain development but they are seeing some remarkable recovery stories with um, children in their teens as well so there's really no Mm -hmm. there's no time where it's too late to mm-hmm. start this approach. Mm-hmm. And I think we were talking earlier, um, especially with young children, and if you m- might not have a doctor, um, you can also go to Child Development Services, mm-hmm. CDS, yes. right in Belfast. I, think I do believe Belfast. so, yeah. And they do screenings mm-hmm. um, for early childhood development and any kind of developmental delays, and that right. would certainly be a good place to start. Um, I think that there that is a free service open I, to anyone. Yes, I do too. And so that is certainly a place to start if you don't have a developmental pediatrician or a psychiatrist or someone else. Certainly would be a good a good area to start because they would they would give you a pretty good heads up if there were real issues. Some there. delays, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very curious about Dan. I know in when we talked to David Kirby a couple of years ago, he uh, really emphasized how much parents have done uh, to get services for their children and the formation of Dan Defeat Autism Now. Um, Tell us a little bit now. There are two Dan conferences a year. Yes. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And do they have them in different parts of the country? How do they do that? Yes. Last spring I went to Virginia, and this spring I went to New Jersey. Uh, This fall... Uh, last fall, excuse me, was in, I do believe, in Toronto, and this fall is going to be in San Diego. So, yeah, they do move around the so country, east around. and west coast, yeah. Okay. And then um, I noticed that you are a, a Dan practitioner, um, and how, how, does that, how does that work? What well, does that mean? Uh, well, <laughs> um, sounds like it's just in the, in the forming of what this is, is going to be, but at this point, explain what a Dan practitioner is. Um, in order to be um, a Defeat Autism Now clinician or practitioner or doctor, there's really no definite you know, definition for that. Um, but in order to be on the Defeat Autism Now clinician registry, you do have to attend one conference per year. 
So to keep your to keep your name on that registry and to you know to be mm-hmm. updated on you know yearly new research or you know things that are new, um, they do recommend you go to at least one conference a year to keep that status, I guess you would say. But there's no certificate or or anything that I've so that is I've that achieved. list online That's on the online. Dan site? Yep, it just says clinician registry, okay. and then it goes by state. So, so if you're here in the Belfast area, you could certainly go see um, Dr. Jane. If you had family, let's say, in another state, you could certainly look up on the Dan website yes. and find out where the nearest practitioner mm-hmm. was. Yes. Now, it's my understanding that the children that you're treating are coming to you and they already have a diagnosis of autism? Yes, correct? they already have a diagnosis, mostly from psychiatrists. or uh, I don't really believe I've had maybe from some developmental pediatricians. Um, but the children that I have definitely already have a diagnosis, mm-hmm. yes. Well, certainly here in Maine, we don't have the multitude of services that you would have right. if you were in an urban area, let's say. So we want to give our listeners as much, much information about things that they can get uh, relatively locally or in this area. If you do have a child or anyone in your family that you think might have autism and would benefit from these services. Now, when they come to you, um, there are also some tests that you do. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what kinds of tests and why why you do those and what the results of the tests indicate? Sure. Um, the tests that I recommend, um, there's a list of them. I should have brought up the list, but um, there's stool tests and urine tests. Those tests for yeast and bacteria. Um, okay, so autism- why, why yeast and bacteria? What, how does that come into the picture? Autism is considered a, a gut-brain disorder. Um, these kids are injured by... Um, either vaccines, and that's a pretty debated issue, or um, environmental toxins. And there is a lot a lot of research going on right now with the vaccines and the environmental toxin issue. So it's, there's, there's a lot of research out there to, to confirm that, that these kids have been injured by those things. Um, for anybody who's just tuned in to Healthy Options, um, I'm Andre Bell. I'm your host this morning. And we are talking to Dr. Jane Robertson, who is a chiropractor in Belfast, and we're talking about autism. And please do stick with us because in another 15 minutes after our uh, break at the half hour, we will have the lines open for people to call in with questions. And I will give you that number in a little while. So um, continue with what you're saying about about these tests. Okay, back to the tests. So the first two tests I mentioned were um, stool and urine. The urine test is called an organic acids test, and the stool is just a comprehensive stool test. And that gives me, um, tells me if these children have increased yeast or fungus in their in their urinary tract in their uh, gastrointestinal tract and also bacteria and what kind and then how to fight that so back to the gut brain um, when these kids um, it, autism is simple but it's also very complicated Th- these children have been injured in some way um, and there's also a predisposition that goes along with that some children can have your regular um, schedule of vaccines and have absolutely nothing happen. You know, they're just, they're normal, they're, they don't get injured by that. Um, and then some children that have a predisposition, meaning that there's a hereditary factor. There's been a polling case that was just won in the Supreme Court. Um, she had a mitochondrial disorder. Um, so it just depends on what's going on inside these children, you know, bef- and to see if they will be affected or not. Um, the, the heavy metals um, in 
vaccines are thimerosal. The other heavy metals could be lead. Some children are affected by arsenic from their well. Some children are affected by antimony. Um, that, that is the um, flame retardant chemical that they put on their, the sleepwear. The, In those, children's clothing? The, the sleepwear and the, the, the crib mattresses. So they have with, so when they get injured by these heavy metals, uh, there are biochemistry pathways that go on in our body, and these heavy metal, metals stop those pathways, and these kids just cannot get rid of these heavy metals. So someone who could cope with the heavy metals by eliminating them from their body would wouldn't be, have would, would be fine. Would be but fine. These but heavy metals are blocking the block, ability to. Yes, deal they're blocking with the ability for these for these biochemistry pathways to happen in our body. It's called methylation. Um, glutathione is a natural chelator in our body, and these children don't have enough glutathione. Those pathways have been have been damaged and blocked. So that test is called. Um, a urine toxic metal test, so we just test their urine to see if they have any heavy metals in their in their urine. You can also do a hair analysis test to mm-hmm. check that. The thing that most medical doctors do or pediatricians do is to do a blood test for that. Um, these heavy metals don't stay in your blood for very long. I think um, mm-hmm. mercury may stay in your blood for 72 I'm not quoting that correctly, but the heavy metals do not stay in your blood for very long. They have an affinity for the brain, bone marrow, liver, fat, things like that. So they'll go to those places rather than stay in your blood. Yes, they go to those places rather than stay in your Mm -hmm. blood. So to test that, we also have to um, do what's called a provocation. You have to give them a, a drug and it depends on what kind of drug that you're trying to pull out because some cer- certain heavy metals have an affinity to other to certain medications. So you have to provoke those heavy metals to come out. So the drug will bind with that and pull it out of these children, their brain, or wherever, wherever the heavy metal is, and pull it out into their urine. So if a child shows evidence of um, heavy metal in their, in their body through these tests, mm-hmm. then you're saying this drug will help pull those heavy metals out? That's called chelating, yes. Chelating. chelating. That's, that was the term that I had mm-hmm. heard. Or so, detoxification. Some, okay. some people get a little bit nervous with that word um, termed chelation. Um, it's scary for some people. There mm-hmm. is a form of chelation that's called IV chelation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, not, I, don't, I don't know any med- medical doctors in Maine that do IV chelation. The, the, the medical doctors at the Dan conferences do it all the time. They've been doing it for 30 years. It's very mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one child that was killed by chelation, and the nurse had brought the wrong chelating agent and unfortunately killed the child through IV chelation. So, well, I, I have heard it, of, of many adults having chelation mm-hmm. therapy for various things. Lead, lead poisoning is, right. is, is a very common one because, you know... Pa- Any evidence of heavy metals? Yeah. Uh, the, you yeah. know, renovating an old home, um, mm-hmm. you know would give somebody lead poisoning. Yeah. So we're really talking about um, a threat to the immune system yes. from toxic material. Toxic which material, Which can yes. be either materials in the vaccinations, which is very common, mm-hmm. and also environmental things. Environmental, and in, your, in your own home, your cleaning mm-hmm. agents, your... Yeah, talk about that a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. what kinds of things in our homes uh, should we be looking at? And that's 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 a huge range. Yeah, that is a um, huge. We could do a whole show. Just we on could that. do a whole show, but um, just things like um, like the outgassing of a new home, the polyurethane on floors, the paint on the walls. If there's new carpet, that that's all chemical mm-hmm. outgassing, mm-hmm. or um, the chemical 
chemicals that you use to clean your home. It's much better. Um, I recommend all natural cleaning products. Vinegar is a great cleaning product, baking soda. Um, I buy all natural laundry detergent, all natural soaps, they're, and they're usually made with essential oils. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can do laundry with vinegar and baking soda. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Instead of using Clorox and I don't and all those other very very toxic you know antibacterial things. We that get told just, a lot of get, things we probably yeah. <laughs> don't need and aren't good for us and cost a lot of money. Right. <laughs> I know we were talking about this um, yesterday, mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting because a couple things came up when we're talking about those lovely brand new houses mm-hmm. and the outgassing of that carpeting and paint and whatever. And here in Maine, we're trying to be very energy conscious and we're trying to make our houses tight so they don't have too much ventilation and that prevents the outgassing. So, you know, there's kind of two sides two sides to that whole mm-hmm. part of it. And then in the cleaning materials, and we were talking the other day, people, if you have a tendency to say, well, I can't buy any of that environmentally safe, non-toxic stuff because it's way too expensive. Well, you're right. It is really expensive. Um, And some of it's really, really good. But there are other alternatives. And you and I talked about this. I have entirely cleaned my house for the last 25 years with baking soda Mm -hmm. and vinegar. And you can buy, actually from a feed store, a 50-pound bag of baking soda for about $10. And that lasts me approximately five years See? and I have a really large house so you, it doesn't have to be expensive it can be really cheap so if you want more information about how to clean with baking soda just get in touch with me I'm an expert um, but I think there are these toxins that we don't realize have an effect on us and because they don't uh, apparently affect certain parts of the population um, then we don't have a tendency to look at them as being responsible for some of these things that happen with these children who come out with symptoms of autism. And it's so insidious. You don't, you can't see it. You know, you know, you don't, you know, it's not like they um, ingested this, Mm. you know, drink of whatever it is. It's very insidious and it, you know, it injures them. The other thing is the diet. If you wanted to talk about um, diets and the chemical. Okay. That's a big one. Let's talk uh, about the diet. Okay. there are a lot of different diets that we do recommend, um, but the, the first thing that I recommend with my patients is that, again, and this can be very expensive, but um, is to buy only organic food. Our crops are sprayed with pesticides and fungicides. There are studies in California and in New Jersey. Well, New Jersey is, is a lot of... It's, there's an increase in the, the, um, the number of cases in, of autism in New Jersey and in California. I know in California it's due to the crop spraying, Mm-hmm. From the plains, there's a section mm-hmm. in California where they did some research, and the the kids that live in this certain area, the the um, the percentage of autism is just skyrocketed because and of that. And the wind crop blows spray. a certain way, and, and if then, it blows onto yes. your neighborhood on yep. a weekend when your kids are outside playing on a nice day. Right, not good. And if they crop spray in Texas in like a couple of days, that could be in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They they um there's a there's a fellow that does um, environmental. Um, talks at the conference and it's just amazing to see where these chemicals go. We're very lucky here in Maine. We live in a very, very low toxic state. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like I said, the, the spraying in Texas can be in, in Tennessee by, you know, in, within a couple of days. You know, right. you, don't, you don't 
Then we might be living in Maine, but if you're buying that food from Texas or California, you might as well be living there yeah. because you're going to be eating it. You're going to be eating it. And that's it. maybe not, not the best thing either. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know when we talk about the organic food, and there are also people out there that are saying, oh, that's going to be terribly expensive. Um, but the other part of that, and I know that WERU has done several shows on uh, CSAs, community-supported yes. agriculture, which is just a really fancy word for the old-fashioned garden in the backyard. And we have very good soil and rainfall here in Maine, and there is no reason why we can't be doing a little more gardening out there, putting some things away for the winter. And it can be very, very uh, cheap to do that, very cost-efficient. We're, we're involved with a CSA, and, yeah. um, and you pay a certain amount a week, and you get wonderful bounty from this garden that I don't, I don't have time to garden, so I, I, don't either. I give yeah. my, you know, you know, I want... I, would li- I want that locally, mm-hmm. you know, grown food that's as organic as, as it possibly can be. And, or we have local, you know, farmer's markets that have wonderfully exactly. locally grown food. And there is quite a movement in Maine right now to support local agriculture so that we are not so dependent on food sources from outside our state. Yeah. Um, it's wonderful to be able to uh, support the local farmers. It's also good to know where your food comes from. I know we've talked on different shows about Michael Pollan's books, um, The Omnivore's Dilemma. He just wrote a new one called uh, In Defense of Food um, that talks about these very issues. And we are very fortunate to live in Maine because right in our backyards, we have tremendous resources to do all these things at very little cost. might be a little bit of labor, but it's good for everybody. It's good for the waistline. We should all be out there <laughs> doing it. Um, the, the other thing I, uh, I think we should talk about, too, is the, the part that vaccinations play. This is a very controversial uh, subject. Um, it's very difficult for parents to address this issue, but I think it is very important. We did do our other show entirely about uh, vaccinations, and I would like you to talk about the vaccination issue a little bit. Um, I'm a little biased. I, I, I personally believe in, you know, I don't vaccinate my own children. That's why how I got involved with the support group. Um, I, I went to the support group and spoke about vaccinations. And um, how I educate my patients is I just let them know that they do have a choice. Um, a lot of parents don't believe that they have a choice. Uh, we are, again, we're very fortunate that we live, we live in a state that um, I have a choice to, you know, my kids can go to public school because I, I can just write a, uh, not a religious, excuse me, you can write a religious, philosophical, or medical exemption on your own. Some states you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, you know, I encourage people to educate themselves on vaccines and to make their own educated decision rather than, you know, these ads that you hear, you know, every fall I hear them, you know, it's time to go back to school. It's a state law that you get your children vaccinated. Um, it is a state law, but you do have choices. You don't have to vaccinate if you don't want to. You can do um, a very different schedule. You know, some some parents choose to just do a few, few vaccines um, or uh, on a, a more moderate schedule, you know, there's so many vaccines that these children get. I think it's 36 vaccines by the age of five. And, and, that's it, what and this has changed drastically. I know. I think that it was 1988 or 1989 that they increased tremendously. Um, and they were also put very close together so that a very small child, even an infant, was getting enormous doses. And when they actually added up the amount of mercury in these vaccinations, it was way more than anybody would have considered safe, not even for an adult. And they were doing this with babies. But mercury is not safe. No, no amount of mercury is safe. 
It says no, poison if you right say, on if it. If you say to someone, would you inject yeah. your baby with mercury? Yeah. They would say, of course not. Right. And it's not just the mercury that I'm concerned about in these vaccines. There's live viruses. There's formaldehyde. There's aluminum. There's, mm. there's a lot of you know, additives and vaccines that I, just, I choose mm. not to put into my child. Mm. So I just well, know it, that I have a choice, and that's the choice that I'm making. Mm-hmm. And everybody has a choice. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we need to educate people is to let them know that they do have a choice. Right. And you can pick and choose. I know mm-hmm. I, I did that with my children. I decided now you decided with your children not to have any vaccinations at all. And what I did was I decided with my children that um, the ones that I wanted them to have were polio. And because I live on a farm, I wanted them to have tetanus. Yes. So we did those. And the other thought that I was interesting to me is that I actually asked my pediatrician <laughs> what he did with his children and he told me that he didn't give them all those vaccinations when they were little right. either. And what he said is that when his children were getting ready to go off to college, if the college required certain vaccinations, then giving a child a vaccination when they were 16 or 17 or 18 years old was far different from giving a one-year-old all these vaccinations. Or a newborn. So, or a newborn, newborn. yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's what I did. I waited on some of the others, and my son went off to college, and they were aghast at the fact that he didn't have these vaccinations. And I said, it's okay. You yeah. can have them now. Just space them apart space a little bit. Don't have them all at once, and yep. you'll be absolutely fine. Right. So there are options. And, and like you said, the schools are very good about it. Um, every year they send you a letter mm-hmm. and that says that your child has not had all the recommended vaccinations and um, just send us a letter saying that this is okay with you for whatever reasons. They right. can be religious reasons, health reasons, uh, any reasons you want to give. And I was never hassled or bothered. I got a note from a public health nurse and there were no questions asked and it was absolutely fine. So, so everyone does have choices. I think you also have to look at your family history and see if there have been specific problems in your family because there may be certain vaccinations you would want to avoid if someone in your family had previously had a bad reaction yes, to something. Definitely. So a lot of this is personal responsibility and personal responsibility for your own children and making those choices. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I do um, want to open up the lines so that we can have some calls come in. We are going to take a very short break. I'm going to give you the number for the call-in. We'll take our break, and then when we come back, we'll open those lines up. This is a toll-free number, and the toll-free number is one 626 9378 So that's one 866 625-9378. So we're going to take a short break, and then we will come back. We've been talking with Dr. Jane Robertson about autism, and after we come back from the break, the lines will be open, and give us a call. Please do.
Welcome back to Healthy Options. Um, I'm your host, Andre Bella, and today we're talking to Dr. Jane Robertson about autism. Uh, this is a call-in show, so we encourage you to call in with your questions. If you have anyone in your family um, that has a child with autism or know of anyone else, please call us. The number is one 866 625 9378. So those lines are open and please give us a call. In the meantime, we're going to talk some more about um, autism and please call in as when you can. Okay. Andre, that you have a caller. You have two callers actually. Okay. All right. We, um, we do have some callers on the line. So uh, can we go ahead with the first question for Dr. Jane? Hello? Hello. Yeah, this is Michael Schell in Belfast. Welcome, Michael. How you doing? Good. Nice to hear and, from you. Um, yeah, it's a great show. Thanks. I have um, two two children. One's uh, six months years old, three. And uh, my wife is a nurse, so she's got, she always hears the perspective of vaccinations are really, really important. Everyone needs to have them. And so it's been controversial for us, you know, back and forth. And I'm just, and anyway, so... She, had, she left the country, and she thought it would be really important for him to get vaccinated before he left. So he's already had some vaccinations. But I'm just wondering if we are going to have some, what, what would be the most and the least risky vaccinations, from your opinion, and, um, as opposed to what were the most the riskiest ones? Um, I, I, I really don't know what would be the most riskiest. I, just, I hear a lot of you know, these parents say that their child are definitely injured by the DPT shot. Um, a lot of parents say, or Jenny McCarthy in particular said, she lost her child's soul. Like he just kind of went into his own world at 18 months after his, I guess it must have been his second DPT, which is uh, diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. Um, I, I, would, I would encourage you to talk to your pediatrician and just um, try to have an open communication and let them know, you know that, you, that you do have reservations and, and ask them what would be you know, a better schedule for you if, you would, if you'd like to you know, have a, a more moderate schedule. Okay. Yeah, it just seems like there's two different worlds. You know, when, you, when, I, when I've spoken to people at the hospital, they seem to be so, right. so sure that you have to have all this. It's really important. And, and, that, and that's kind of where I, I would like to, those two worlds to meld. Um, you know, it's not, it's, Andre and I were talking about this, there's, there, there's, no, there's no cut and dry answer. I, I'm choosing to not vaccinate my children, um, but you can, you can, Educate yourself and do the vaccines that you want. I just, I, my, my education piece is to, to let people know that they, that they have a choice. You don't have to vaccinate your children if you don't want to. Um, their belief system is that, um, you know, these vaccines have decreased these diseases, but there are plenty of books out there, Michael. I have them in my office. You can stop by. I'd share these books with you um, to, to educate you and to, to show you where... Um, there's there's two sides to the coin. So yeah, yeah, I think that would be helpful for me to sure have more education because mm-hmm. when I when I talk about mercury, mm. like, oh, we don't we don't use mercury anymore, so it's not a problem. Well, that's that's another debated issue. Um, mercury was supposed to be taken out of the vaccines in 2001, um, but companies are still manufacturing vaccines out of the state, and people are buying those vaccines. I mean, out, excuse me, out of the country. And people are buying those vaccines because they're a lot cheaper. Thimerosals are very cheap preservative. So, um, 
in order to get a thimerosal-free vaccine, you definitely have to make sure you ask your pediatrician for that, um, ask them the lot number, um, and make sure that they're thimerosal-free. Um, but vaccine is not the only scary preservative in these vaccines. So um, definitely getting them thimerosal-free is important. Um, but you do have to ask for those because a lot of pediatricians don't have those. It's a misconception um, that the thimerosal was taken out. Yes, it was supposed to be taken out in 2001, but only from the, the developers in the United States. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. It's a great program. You're welcome. Thanks, Thanks for calling. Uh, I think we have another caller online. Hi, I'm Suzanne from Lemoyne. I'm calling because I have two questions. Um, one, I have a daughter who's now 23, and she's going to college and is doing well. She's always sort of struggled, and it was after her first DPT that she had a severe reaction. Um, she had, and she changed after that. Um, yeah. And, you know, all there were flags, but back then we didn't know much about autism. Right. Um, she had... Uh, stand, I guess what they call staring seizures. Mm -hmm. I mean, she, she had chronic ear infections. Um, I chose to homeschool her because I felt that she wouldn't do well in regular schools. Um, we never got her diagnosed. Um, and working with her, she, you know, learned in her own way, and she ultimately ended up doing very well and now is going to college and, you know, pursuing her master's at this point. So, um, but I was wondering if there's any way, and I never told her about the suspicion that that was what was going on. Mm -hmm. And as she approaches the age when she's going to be getting married, um, having kids, I'm getting worried. And uh, is there any way to diagnose this, like you were talking about, I, I think I heard you say about stool and hair testing and things like that, to find out um, if that's indeed what she has? I mean, obviously she's high-functioning. Yeah, she, um, yeah. You can do... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's okay. It just is there, is there any way to, to diagnose this later in life? Yes. You can do the same tests. You can do the stool. That, that would test, I mean, does she have any gastrointestinal problems, like leaky gut, where her, where her gut is not working properly? Yeah, like she always, she, when she was uh, yeah. little, she yeah. had, uh, like, reflux. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't lie her down, they all have, you know, yeah. flat, had to carry her around all the time. Mm -hmm. um, she's got... Um, Lactose intolerant. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. We're gonna we didn't really talk about the diet, but that's that's a big one. Uh, but, but we kept her. You know, we did all organic when she was mm -hmm. little, and uh, we're very careful about her diet. And it, everything you know ultimately worked out. She's but she does have gastrointestinal problems. Yeah, yeah all these kids do. I would. Um, well, we're all lactose intolerant. That's kind of a, another big right. misconception, but. Um, <laughs> Um, if she were willing to go on the diets, um, there's a gluten-free, casein-free diet that does miraculous changes with these kids. So that would be um, wheat-free, dairy-free diet. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm I know it's encouraging her to do wheat-free because I've found out recently that I have uh, wheat intolerance, and uh, I know it's genetic, and everybody in the family has fine. So I've been telling her you okay. should really try it. Do you have celiac disease? Yes. Oh, so that, there's your predisposition right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right. And then when she has children, you, you have every right to be worried about your grandchildren. Right. Yeah. right. So, yes, um, I, would, I would encourage her to get on a diet. You could definitely give me a call. Um, we could do some testing for her to see if she does have any heavy metal toxicity. Um, okay. Yeah, sure. There's okay. definitely um, things that you can do. The other question is I have my other daughter, uh, who was fine, the oldest daughter. She's the second oldest. Mm -hmm. um, 
had a grandchild. He's now two, and he's been plagued with chronic ear infections and seems very hyperactive. Mm -hmm. um, and they have chosen, because her husband pushed, that they got him all his vaccinations to date, um, which I was opposed to. <clears throat> and I was wondering, is there any way at this point to test him? And they're talking about having other children. Yeah, this is, this is the time he needs to be tested. Okay, so mm -hmm. be tested for the same thing, the gastrointestinal um, and the hair and that kind of thing. And the, yeah, and the urine, yep. And, and if, if you, the reason you should go to a, like a developmental pediatrician or a psychiatrist to get, you know, to get a um, diagnosis is to get some state aid. I see, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, well, those are my two questions. Okay, um, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Show. Thank you. Next caller, we have another question on the line. Oh, hello. Hello. Yes, I just wanted to say my own experience. This is Paula in Brooklyn. And um, when I had my son, I chose to do a lot of research on the vaccinations and ended up getting the diphtheria and the tetanus without the pertussis mm -hmm. and then the dead polio vaccine. Mm -hmm. And then I did it like once or twice and just said, forget about this and never gave him any more. So then he's 18 and ready to go to college and meningitis, meningitis, yeah. they're, they're giving him the fear of meningitis. So he wants to get a vaccination. So I said that I would allow him if he did a lot of research and read all about it, which he did and still decided to go get it. He goes into the hospital and now he's 18 and the doctor talked him into about eight more vaccinations. Oh. So he came home and told me, and I had a fit. But yeah. I just wanted to tell people that it doesn't end. Uh, not at uh, 18, huh? He's, uh, he's got a mind of his own now. Yeah, but they, you know, just he was just very vulnerable, and I had no idea. I thought he went in for meningitis, and they talked him into all these others. Well, that's their job. You have to do, you do have to remember that. And, I, and when I get badgered about, you know, not vaccinating my children from doctors, that, that's what they know. You know, that, that's their job, to educate, and, um, you know, that, that's their belief system that you know all, all children need to be vaccinated um but we do have that choice yes okay yeah. okay thanks thank for you paula bye uh, i think we have another caller on the line hi hi i'm jean for, for uh, from belfast hi jean and um on the topic of vaccinations um i am um over educated in the establishment regular medicine so that's my prejudice but uh I would urge your listeners, um, even people who think they have become educated, to try to get a balanced education, both pro and con. Don't just um, be educated like those people who are arrested in Texas. You know, they all they hear is from their cult members. But, but try to get as balanced an education as you can. And I'm coming from, uh, I'm, I'm 64 years old. I had polio the last year before the shots came in, and um, you young people just don't realize what epidemics are like. Uh, I graduated from graduate school. My first job was at the Kennedy Institute for Rehab of Handicapped Children at Johns Hopkins Hospital. Um, the uh, chief medical director of the hospital was crippled in full leg braces from polio and he still worked and then the, the population so of kids who came in... Does that have in, to do with autism? Can you, can you yeah, there was the autism. autism? 
Yeah, but okay. one-third of the children were retarded as a result of rubella, which you think, oh, that's just a little virus. But please, please, uh, people, please get educated. And don't we, would, we would certainly recommend that. That's and I, I think this is about personal responsibility. And oh, at the yeah. end of the show, we're going to give you lots of websites where you can get more information, people that you can contact. And, you know, and for example, your, you your speaker's read. talking about the DPT shots. We don't give that anymore. We give acellular pertussis. I mean, okay, I, mean I don't, I, them, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely trying to... Um, let the vi- the listeners out there know that they do have a choice. I am educated on both sides mm-hmm. of this issue. Um, and well, don't it's, give mistakes on the air then. I'm not giving, what, I don't believe I'm giving mistakes. Well, there I'm is giving, no more DPT shot. There's acellular ptosis. Okay, so... Well, they you know what that it, is? Evidently they may be not. calling it a different, different shot. I know pertussis refers to whooping mm-hmm. cough, and that is one of the very controversial ones. That is right. one that I decided not to give to my children because there have been so many reactions to that. And I think what we're really what we're really wanting to know more about is why have we had this extreme rise in the number of children with autism and what we can do about it, both as as parents and as educators, to um, to do something about the, the symptoms that these children have. And, and we are going to talk in some of the remaining moments in the show, we do want to talk about the diet that's recommended. So um, when we get into the diet, that is something that uh, has had tremendous results, and it's something that's you know very safe for anybody to do. And if your child does have some of these very difficult um, gastrointestinal problems, trying this diet... Um, has helped so many that it's it's recommended that you try it, and if it works for you, that's a great thing. And that's really what we're saying here is to try things that, that might help in the situation. Get as many professional opinions as you can and, and exercise your freedom of choice to what you think is best for your child. Sounds like a good idea. Thank you. Bye. Okay. We have another caller? Uh, hello? Yes, hi. My name's Lynette Moore. I'm calling from Belfast. Um, I have two children, and their ages are 10 and 12. And I waited um, uh, to vaccinate them. I, I made sure that there was not an overdose at an early age. And um, just by educating myself, um, not knowing a lot about autism, but um, had read <clears throat> many articles about it, decided to do that. And my question is for Dr. Jane. Have you written a book or are you going to write a book? You have so much information. It would be so wonderful to have that shared with the community. Uh, well, I never thought about it. Maybe um, in my re- retirement years that could be a good, a good thing for me to do. Um, I, I, I do applaud you, Lynette, that you, um, that you did realize that you had your own choice. And that really is what I'm trying to do here today is to let people know that they do have a choice um, and to let people know that we're not, I'm not uneducated about vaccines. I'm not uneducated about um, the medical field. Um, and I don't mean to make people defensive. Um, it right. just, we just need to let people know that we do have a choice. Right. I really did feel um, that I was completely on the defensive with yeah. the medical field and that I was yeah. bullied. Right. And, um, and I stood my, I stood my ground and I didn't want to do anything to harm my children. I wanted to do the right thing for them and mm-hmm. read everything that I could, and I still do, um, 
trying to make the best choices that I can. And, you know, they'll make their choices when they're at age. But right now, this is, I, I feel like I'm doing the best that I can for them. And that's all we can do. And exactly. when, when patients come to me and they ask me what I do, what I would do, I say, I tell them what I would do. And I say, I, but you cannot do, you, you need to make your own choice. Absolutely. And all these parents know when it, it it's not a coincidence that thousands and thousands of moms have come to these doctors and said, at this point, I lost my child, like that earlier caller. After she had her whatever shot it was, she changed. Right. And that's what happens with these right. children. Well, thank you, Dr. Jane. I applaud you, and thank, thank you for, for sharing all of your information on the radio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Uh, we have another caller. Hello. Hello. This is Yo in Tremont. First of all, um, I want to thank you for mentioning the dangers of household chemicals. You're welcome. Something that's uh, not brought up in public too often nowadays. Mm-hmm. However, um, I'm, I'm I'm a little disturbed by another aspect of your talk, and that's that you discuss autism and how being on the spectrum is uh, as if it were a disability. And what you haven't mentioned is how many uh, children on the spectrum show through what you call repetitive behavior, a certain amount of innate genius and oh, the yeah. ability to problems. And it could be uh, that a lot of them have formed sort of a advanced consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little disturbed about the idea of defeat autism now because, you know, being on the spectrum is enough of a, it's enough of a challenge for people as it is without having to be also stigmatized as somehow disabled and we're going to cure you and but first yeah. we've got to find them all and um, I wonder if you could comment on that aspect of being on the spectrum thank you for being on the show today I just want to say thank you so very much for bringing this up because I think you're absolutely right I think that these children also have aspects to them that are gifts to our culture and our society and we need to honor those as well And I think if we can manage to help them in some of the um, painful physical conditions that they have to endure, like these intestinal problems, and get them on track with that um, and honor the talents that they have, this is a very, very good point. Yes. Well, um, in defense of that, the Defeat Autism Now has been developed because, you know, most of these doctors have had children that have been affected. Um, These children don't sleep, a lot of them. Um, they bang their head because their head is in so much pain. They, it's, there's uh, research to show that the brains of children with autism are much larger, so there's bl- brain inflammation. They posture. They bend over at the ends of couches, or they sit in a certain posture for hours on end because they have gut pain. They have constant diarrhea, constant constipation. Um, uh, they, as babies, they have projectile vomiting. So on the other aspect... Um, I do agree with you that they have wonderful... These doctors are trying to heal their insides. They're trying to figure out what's going on with the biochemistry problems inside these children. And what they physically show is gastrointestinal problems and brain problems. And when you heal those inside problems, those um, repetitive behaviors do go away. So it's not that we're trying to change these children. We're trying to heal these children. And that's really what Dan, the Dan approach is about. We're not trying to change them at all. I, I have to agree with you. When I heard um, defeat autism now, I also had a negative reaction to it because I always like things to be phrased in the positive rather than the negative. Yeah. I don't, do you have any suggestions on 
what an or, a national organization could be that would be a more positive? Well, and they don't they don't claim to cure any child because every child is affected differently. They they call it recover. You know, th- these children can be recovered from s- some of these signs and symptoms. So, um, I d- I don't know if they want to change their name or not. Okay, thank you very much for calling in. Um, we have a few more minutes now. I think we have about a uh, little maybe eight minutes left to go, and we would like to talk a little bit about the Dan diet um, and where to start with that if you're a parent who has a child and, uh, and has autism and these intestinal problems. Um, what is that diet basically about? Well, there's not just one diet. The, the most popular diet is called the gluten-free, casein-free diet, and that's where you take all um, gluten products out of the, uh, the diet and so that, all that's dairy. Wheat, wheat that's and wheat. dairy. Yeah, it's oats, bran, all, all gluten, anything with gluten. Um, there's also a, um, a diet called the Specific Carbohydrate Diet, the Body Ecology Diet, um, the Weston Price Diet, the um, Fine Gold Diet, which takes all preservatives and sweeteners and um, artificial flavors, colors, that sort of stuff. Um, a low oxalate diet, oxalates, um, uh, nuts and berries are high in oxalates. Some of these, uh, through testing, we can test their oxalates, so some of these kids can't um, digest the oxalates very well, can't, get, can't eliminate them. These diets, um, before a child starts these diets, we can also do a test called the IgG ELISA test, and that tests for 93 different food panels. And that just So that would give you an idea of where to start. That would you hear give you all an these idea. different diets, and it's a little overwhelming. Yeah, they, and, but... Even with this test, um, there's, a, there's a lot of um, problems with the test. The doctors do say that the, 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 the child is the best lab. So if you put them on the gluten-free, casein-free diet and you see some huge improvements, keep them on that. So would that be the diet to start with, do you think? That's what most people start with, is a okay. gluten-free, casein-free diet. So that's pretty simple. Diet. You cut out wheat and you cut out dairy. Yes. And, and, and obviously you cut out foods that have a lot of artificial preservatives. That's a, that's a must. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, the symptoms that um, go away or the diet may improve, I've, I've had people tell me that um, their child started talking after they put them on the gluten-free, casein-free diet. Um, their children can focus better. They have better eye contact. They are less aggressive. Their gastrointestinal problems go away. They start pooping every day. Uh, their language comes back. Um, their sleep gets better. Most of these parents are up all night because these kids can just, they can't sleep. They're uncomfortable. Um, most of the ki- these kids are not toilet trained. They get toilet trained after going on a diet. Their eczema goes away. That's the leaky gut. And um, their behavior improves. So those are just some of the behaviors, mm-hmm. some of the characteristics that um, diets can improve. Now, I, I know there was, are you part of a local support group? So is, um, and we'll get to this in the contact information in the last few minutes of the show, but are there local support groups that parents could, where parents could talk to other parents and also get some um, ideas for uh, cooking in ways that will be appealing to children and not drive parents totally crazy trying to figure out how to do this diet. Right. We will be starting a support group again um, in Belfast. I'm trying to get some parents together. Um, Again, it's very difficult for me to have the time to do this support group, but there are a few parents that I have right now that are really interested. And what we do with that is we usually meet once a month, and we just, you know, sit and talk and see what works for this child or that child. Or, you know, some parents may have a suggestion for, for another child, you know, or... 
or children that um, act certain ways, you know, the, those parents get their each other's contact information and can talk, you know, mm-hmm. at any time. So, Well, and, and one idea we had talked about previously, too, is if there was enough uh, local interest, we could do a cooking class through adult education in Searsport where we would have parents who have done many of these recipes and dealt with the diet before, and they could come in and use the kitchen in school and actually give a class, and I think it would be fun. I mean, we have Mediterranean cooking and French cooking, and we can certainly have Dan cooking, too, um, because uh, there are so many inventive and creative things you can do around the diet so that it isn't totally onerous. So if that's something you would be interested in, please be sure and contact me, uh, Andre Bella, here at WERU.org. And if we have people that are interested, we certainly could start up this kind of a group, and we can also give you information about that local support group. I'd also like to mention these books, um, and you can get a lot of this information off the um, autism.com website. Um, Breaking the Vicious Cycle is um, a book written by Elaine Gottschall, and she healed her daughter or her granddaughter, I can't remember, of Crohn's disease, I believe it was. Um, Special uh, Diets for Special Kids um, are two really good books about the diet. I also have a book with me right here. It's called Nourishing Hope. That's another great book. It's written by a nutritionist. Okay. And can you give us some uh, websites where people can get information? Mm -hmm. Autism.com. That's the Defeat Autism Now website. Um, TACA. Dot com and autismspeaks.com. Those are a lot of a uh, few of the websites that What's I taca. Freak- dot com? Uh, Spell it for us. T A C A. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, t- I'm sorry. And what about the um, American Association of Pedi- Pediatrics? Would they have something on their website? Maybe the the, the new toolkit. I do believe oh, the they new, have the yeah. new toolkit. That's right. So if you go to your pediatrician, you can ask them if they have the toolkit, and they don't. You can tell them that that's something provided by the American Association of Pediatrics. That's that new book. Yep. Right. Yes. Right. So that will help educate um, more about some of the research been done. Um, please give also your contact information here in Belfast because we want people to be able to get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my office phone number is 338-2024. Uh, you can also reach me on my cell phone, 323-0854. Uh, my office is located on Route 3 in Belfast. Um, it's about three miles west of Dutch Chevrolet as you're going towards Augusta. And you also have a website? I don't have a website. Oh, you don't? No. Okay. Um, the other thing we want to remind folks is that Dr. Jane is going to be interviewed. Um, the interview is going to air on Channel 2, WLBZ, on May 15th. We're not sure of the time, but mm-hmm. probably the evening news, I'm, I'm, not, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. I'm okay. Um, so that you can hear more about this subject um, at that time. They're, they're also interviewing a mom. Oh, and they're, they're okay. having... Um, okay before video and after video of her doing, um, she, she had a child with autism, and this spring or last fall, the child lost his autism diagnosis through the Dan approach. So there, I think the message we do want to get across to everyone is that there are many things that can be done to help children that have these symptoms or this diagnosis. And so if this does happen to you or someone in your family, um, there's lots that can be done. Um, but you have to you have to be proactive. You have to be proactive. You, you really do, yes. and you have to be informed mm-hmm. because this is not something that someone 
is going to just automatically tell you what to do. You really have to step to the plate. And, and I'm, I only guide, guide these parents. I see parents maybe once a month. Um, the parents have to go home and change their diet, change their lifestyle. So Thank you so much, Dr. Jane, You're for welcome. being with us today. And thanks to all of you. And join us again for Healthy Options next month. Support for WERU health-related programming comes from the Penobscot Bay Press, committed to providing community news and information, publishing three weekly newspapers, the Weekly Packet, Island Advantages, the Castine Patriot, the annual Bay Community Register, the Summer Seasonal Guide, and more. Also on the web at www.penobscotbaypress.com.